Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Let's just believe, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are with us. Father, we know that your presence is in this place. We thank you, Lord. Father, we invite you into this place and into our hearts, Lord. Lord, we brought you here. And Father, we want to worship you here together with one voice, with one heart, Lord, with one mind, Lord, to give you the glory because you deserve it. That's what we're doing. We're giving you the glory, giving you the honor, Lord. And as we do that, your presence will come and will fill our hearts. Lord, we just thank you that you are the God that can do all things. And that's why we're here, Lord, to worship the God of the miraculous, of the God of love, the God of goodness, the God that can fulfill every desire and every need that we have. Lord, we come and worship you and give glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. In Jesus' name. So good to be in church and so good to gather together um, as the people of God. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, and I'm reading from verse 19. The Bible says this, people of the city said to Elisha, look our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put some salt in it. So they bought, to him, bought it to him. And then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, this is what the Lord says, I've healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive, King James says, barren. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha, had spoke. I mean, it's what you do with bad water, right? You throw salt in it because that's what makes it, you know, good water. It's obvious, you know. Uh, um, a great scripture. I just pray that God will speak to us through this word today. Father, we come before you as the people of God. And I just thank you for your word because every time we open the word, it, it speaks. It has the capacity to speak into the deepest parts of our lives. And that's what our prayer would be today. Speak to us, Lord God, I pray. Father, let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to just be an instrument in your hands today. Speak to us individually and collectively. Lord, I pray. Father, bind every spirit of fear and intimidation, every preconceived idea. We just come against it in Jesus' name. And Father, we just receive this word by faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So this is the final message in a series entitled Breaking Spiritual Barrenness. Uh, we've been saying that one of the things that God calls each of us to is fruitfulness and uh, effectiveness and influence. And as individuals and churches, we all want to, we want the blessing of God upon us. We want the best blessing of God upon our, our lives. And we, we want to see spiritual fruit. We want to see growth. We want to see influence. And, and that is the will of God for our lives. Key verse uh, for the series is Jesus' words. He said, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear just a little bit of fruit, is what Jesus said. Is that what he said? No, Jesus said, it is, it is to my Father, is it, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. It's the desire of God. It's the will of God that we bear much fruit for the glory of God. Question is how? 
You know, how can we grow and be effective and bring this kind of fruit for the glory of God? How can we, how can we be the people that God has called us to be? How can, we, how can we make sure that our lives actually count for something, a purpose? Well, to help us answer this question, we'd be looking at the stories of barren women in the Bible. The whole concept of barrenness speaks, of, uh, speaks to the seasons in our life when we feel unproductive, unfruitful, no vision, no direction. Um, when it seems like everyone else is being used by God except us. When it feels like everybody else uh, is fruitful, everybody else is doing something significant, but our lives just kind of feel barren, feel barren. By the way, some of the thoughts and ideas for this series have come from a book by Frank Damasio called From uh, Barrenness to Fruitfulness. And you can, you can, you can uh, check that out on the net and if you want to read some more on this particular subject. So far, we've looked at the stories of Rebecca and Hannah, and we could look at so many stories, so many more stories, a story of Sarah and Rachel and Leah and Elizabeth and all of them teach us something about how to, how to break barrenness and how to move into uh, fruitfulness. Because as they worked through their barrenness, as they struggled through that whole barrenness, the barrenness was broken. They became fruitful and God did some amazing things through their lives. The fruit was amazing. And, and, uh, uh, and so there's so much that we can learn from their lives. Um, Bible not only speaks about barren women, it also speaks about barren land. And when barrenness applies to land, it's referred to as a desert or a wilderness. Uh, there's no vegetation, no growth. Australia is filled with deserts. Um, and it's dry uh, and, and there's no sense of life in a desert or a wilderness. Now, the way a desert or wilderness be begins to flourish, the way a desert uh, changes is by experiencing rain or water, or as, as the water comes in to the desert, then, then life begins to appear. And of course, in this series, we're not speaking about physical barrenness, but what we are speaking about is spiritual barrenness. And, you know, I wonder there might be some people here today, you're feeling spiritually dry. I mean, we're, we're living uh, in a city at the moment where there's been plenty of rain, even through summer and so on. So that's not a problem. But inside of us, we could be feeling spiritually dry, you know, empty. We feel like there's a desert and a wilderness in our spirit where there's no sense of life. You're kind of just existing, going through the motions of life. Oh, it's just another day. Oh, Monday again, tomorrow. And here we, here we go. Get back on that treadmill and we start all over again. You remember a time when you were close to God. You remember a time where God would speak to you. You remember a time where you walked into church and you felt the presence of God, where the songs actually meant something to you. The word was like, oh man, that was just for me this morning. But you haven't felt like that for a very long time. Spiritual dryness, a wilderness, a desert season in your life. I want you to know if that's you, that's not the will of God for you. It's not the will of God for us at all. It is the will of God that we experiencing that we experience the power and the presence of God. It is the will of God that our relationship with God is active, alive. It's 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 not just something that 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 where we talk to God, but God actually talks back to us. Where God is very much interested in exactly what we're going through even in our lives right now. It is not the will of God that we just exist and go through the motions of life. God has a plan for our lives. It's a good plan. God wants to use us for His glory. He has created us for purpose. We're not, we're not created just to exist. Can I hear an amen? 
You know, Jeremiah, the, 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 the scripture we quote so often, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they're good plans. They're not bad plans, and they're not plans that you should just exist and go through the motion. No, that's not the plans that God has for our life. He created us for purpose. Psalm 139, He knit us together in our mother's womb. Perfectly. With just the right amount of gifts and passions and spiritual gifts and and so the question then becomes, well, how do we deal with the wilderness season in our lives? Well, today we're going to look at this whole question from a slightly different perspective. And rather than look at an individual, we're going to look at how a land was healed. And we're going to look at it from the context of the story in the Old Testament that we just read in our text. And, if, and, and on the surface, it's, a, it's just a simple story about a city where the water is bad. Uh, it's affecting the fruitfulness of the soil. They tell Elijah, who's a man of God, Elijah says, throw some salt in the water. And as a result of it, the water becomes fresh. Water and the land is healed. A miracle happens. A miracle takes place where this water is healed. And uh, embedded in this story is a number of principles that I believe can help us become fruitful. So the way that I look at Scripture is I just look at the story and I go, well, what does it mean to me? And my, my preference would, would, would be with, even with this, you know, at a group, my, 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 my preference is not to preach necessarily like this. My favorite way to teach is actually to just be in a room with, with 10 people. We look at a life group, you know, and look at this story. Oh, what do we get out of this story? Because as you read the story, you get some stuff out of this story that's meaningful to you. Um, and uh, that's my favorite way to kind of explore the scriptures together. But as I read the scripture, a few thoughts came to my mind, and I, I just pray that God will speak to all of us today. That's going to help us to become fruitful. Well, the first thought from the text that, that, that kind of spoke to me is if we want to be fruitful, we need to desire to be used by God. It just begins with desire. Notice what the Bible says. The people of the city said to Elijah, look, our Lord, this town is well situated. As you can see, but the water's bad. And we, we need to get this fixed. Uh, and here were these people that lived in a city that was, was, was in a good spot. Um, uh, it, was in, it was a nice place. Wherever the city was, it was in a nice place. But the water was bad. The water wasn't good. And they could easily have just accepted the situation. I don't know. Maybe it was, it was a city that overlooked the hill or whatever. I, I don't know. But they could, they could have easily accepted the situation. They could have easily settled for bad water and said, well, you know, uh, it is what it is. Life, you know, kesera, sera. You know, it's, you know, you win some, you lose some. And, and that's some people's attitude to life. But these people said, no, we want this thing to be dealt with. I'm not happy that our land is not productive. We need to be able to produce some fruit. This water has got to be made fresh. And they understood that the barrenness was as a result of the water. So they go to Elijah, the man of God, and they said, is there something you can do to fix this water? Because we want our land to flourish and to bear fruit. If we want to grow and be used by God, be productive, bring spiritual fruit. It begins by desiring to be used by God. This might sound really simple and redundant. Is that the best you got, Pastor Joe? Yep, it's the best I've got. But it's a powerful principle. I don't, I don't believe we really understand how powerful desire actually is. 
If we want to be used by God, it begins with a desire, a prayer, a passion to say, God, do something with my life. God, use me for your glory. God, I want to, I want to, I want to be used by you, Lord God. It begins with desire. Desire is powerful. When, when you really desire something, it has the capacity to grab your thoughts and your mind and your heart and your spirit. And everything you do starts to point towards it. You always move towards whatever it is you desire. If you desire a promotion at work, you're going to do everything you can to, to, to get there. You start thinking and dreaming and, and strategize. What do I need to do to get there? The guy that wants a girl, he's, dream, he's, he's thinking, strategizing. How can I cross her path, desire. When I was young, I wanted a bike. Bike, that's all a kid wants is a bike. And I don't know, parents didn't buy me a bike. So I was dreaming at night about this bike. I used to dream at night. I used to imagine my parents going to the bank because I saw the bank book. And I, I imagined them going to the bank and getting, you know, going to the bank teller, getting $100 out, going to Kmart because Kmart had the bike. I used to go to Kmart, look at the bikes. <laughs> I just wanted a bike. Come on, man. Everybody go, oh. This is all I wanted as a kid was a bike. Didn't want Nintendo. PlayStation. No, no, I wasn't into computer games. Stuff like that. They, didn't, they weren't invented yet. But anyway, it's another story. <laughs> a kid just wants a bike. Anyway, and, and I, I just remember, I mean, it kind of captured me. You know, and, and I used to dream about it, dream about it, think about it at night. I just think, yeah, anyway. And then one day there was a, we used to live next to a church, a Mormon church, and, and they had this, you know, um, um, what do you call it? Um, garage sale thing outside. They had a bike, five bucks. Five bucks. It was in pieces. Five bucks. So I came home, said, Dad, there's a bike, five dollars. go, okay. So he came, had a look at it. He bartered them down to 250 mate. <laughs> $2.50. Ah, the bike's not that good. It's in pieces. Good old Italian style. Come on, mate. That's, that's just, got to love them. $2.50, and that was my first bike. And he put it together for me, and uh, I had my desire. Desire is powerful. You always, you always move towards whatever it is that you desire. The greatest desire that we can have in life is to know God and to do His will. It's the greatest desire that we can have. It's the greatest desire above all the desires. Nothing wrong with any desires. Nothing wrong with promotion, buying a new car, whatever it is. Nothing wrong with any of those desires. But the greatest desire that we can ever have is to know God and to, and, and to do His will, to be used by God. Because you always move towards whatever it is that you desire. And the greatest thing that we can say is, God, do something with my life. Use me for your glory. It's this concept, this understanding that life is, orig, originates from God, that, that, that I'm not here because I decided to be here. I'm here because God has ordained, God created me for such a time as this. It's an understanding that my life is bigger than what I'm living right now. And so if he is the author of life, I want to know why you created me, O oh God. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. So great, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He prepared in advance. I want to know what that is. I don't want to just exist and do what I think should be good in life. I want to know what that is. I want to live for that. Because when we tap into the purposes of God, we start to experience something called life. 
We experience something called life. Jesus said, I've come to give life and life in abundance. When you tap into the purposes of God for your life, you start to live. You can't wait to Monday because you love what you're doing. Just want to be and do with what you've created me to be and do. You've heard me say this before, but so many people want to discover the calling on their life. What am I called to do? Be prophet, pastor, prime minister. Sounds good. People try and work it all out, you know. God is more interested in who we are than in what we do. It's first the who and then the what. What always follows the who. And so when, when, when we... When we when we, uh, when we begin to desire to be used by God, we give permission to the Holy Spirit to start to do something inside of our hearts to prepare us for that which he's called us to do. The Bible says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be, not do, you will be. God is more interested in, in us being my witnesses rather than doing what he's called us to do. And so when we... When we desire to be used by God, we give permission to the Holy Spirit to start to work in us. And the Holy Spirit will begin to give us dreams about the future. I remember one pastor talking about God begins to give us glimpses about what he wants to do. It's, you know, as you're going to sleep, you get this picture of what it is that God wants to do with us in the future. And the Holy Spirit begins to shape our character to prepare us for what he wants us to do. The Holy Spirit sort of begins to coach us into that which God wants us to do. You know, God gave Joseph a dream. It took him 13 years to get to the palace. 13 years. God gave Moses a passion for the people of Israel. It took 40 years to prepare him. It was a little bit harder. You know what I'm saying? It took a bit longer with Moses. Samuel anoints David, the next king of Israel, but it took 15 years to prepare him for that. Preparation is more important than the position. And it all begins with desire. desire. What do you desire in life? What's your greatest desire? What is it that you want more than anything else in life? What's your greatest desire? Greatest desire that we can have is to know God and to do His will. Oh, it's the greatest, it's the greatest desire that we can have in life is to know God and to do His will. Everything else flows from there. Think about why Jesus came. What was Jesus' greatest desire? I've come to, to do my Father's will. He spent time with his father and when his father told him to do things, he just did the things his father told him to do. That was Jesus' life. It's our life. Because if, 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 if everyone's got a desire, everyone's got some sort of thing you're pointing towards, you know, it's, it's not a question of this or that or the other thing. You, you do have some desires inside of your heart. If you, don't, if you don't channel them in the right direction, they'll go off in some direction. We need to be intentional about that. No, I've done, I'm not going to go in that direction. It's this direction. No, I'm not going to let this thing capture my heart. This is going to capture my heart. Desire is powerful. I want to know God. I want to do His will. And that desire not only applies to an individual, it applies collectively as well. To which we just want to be used by you, God. As a church. Second principle the passage teaches us is the relationship between water and fruitfulness. Again, notice the verse. The people of the city said to Elijah, look at our Lord. The town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad. 
Water has a particular significance in the Bible and it speaks, among other things, about the presence of God, a move of the Spirit, an outpouring of the Spirit. In Isaiah, the Bible says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Look at that. I I will pour water on him who is thirsty. It's not just speaking about physical thirst. It's speaking about spiritual thirst. I will pour my spirit, my presence on someone who's really thirsty for my presence. And floods on the dry ground, I'll pour, here it is, it's in the verse, it's, the verse tells us, I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. There it is. The water, speaking about water, but it's actually speaking about the spirit of God. Joel says, in that day, the mountains would drip with new wine and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravens of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of of acacias. Again, it's speaking physically, but there's a lot of spiritual uh, symbolism in there. A A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house. What is that speaking about? It's speaking about the presence of God. That's the way it ought to be, is the, 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 the water, the presence of God should flow through the house of God, but out of this place and into the streets and into the workplaces and into the schools and into the universities. That's what we do. That's what the church is all about. We get fired up on a Sunday But it's not just so that we can feel good. It's so that we can go out and we bring the presence of God into wherever it is that God has called us to be. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Well, what does that mean? Uh, and, and, And I love it because John actually tells us what it means. He says, by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. It's speaking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, whenever, whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water shall flow through them. Speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Love the way the water is linked to barrenness. People say the water is bad and the land is unproductive. King James, but the water is bad and the ground barren. There it is right there. There's our key word. What they were saying was the barrenness, the lack of fruit was linked to the water. If the water was good, the land would be good. If the water was good, then the the land would bear fruit. If the water was good, man, life, we'd experience life. But the water's bad and the land is barren. And there's a powerful principle here. If we we want to bear fruit, be used by God, be productive, it's not going to come with more talent and more programs and more knowledge. Thank God for all of those things. What we need is a move of the Spirit of God. Can I hear an amen? What we need is the presence of God. What we need is an outpouring of God's Spirit. What we need is rain from heaven to be poured out on our hearts. What we need is more of the Holy Spirit amongst us. What we need is a move of God. And I I just pray that that will be the desire of the house of God. Collective God, thanks for all the stuff. But Lord, what we're really hungry for is a move of God. I love the scripture because it, it says, you know, it was well situated, but the water was bad. Lord, we're, we, we are well situated. Thanks for all the stuff, Lord God. We are well situated. But what we really want is a move of God. What we want is a move of the Spirit. There's no better example of this than in the book of Acts. Here they were, 120 people waiting in the upper room for an outpouring of the Spirit. Jesus said, go and, 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 and wait in the upper room. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Do not preach a sermon. Do not take up an offering. Do not sing a song. Just wait in the upper room until the Spirit comes. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, 
when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And it's not that they were physically together in one place. Yes, they were, but there was one mind. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, it says they were all in the upper room uh, 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 in one place. Well, I forget the scripture exactly what it says, but the Greek word is homothumidum, something like that. Just take it, believe me. And it just means they were in one place, one mind, one heart, one spirit, one goal. And here they were, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violet wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, some of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit. One or two of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit enabled them. I don't know about you, but my, my heart hungers for that. We are well situated, Lord. We do experience the, can I hear an amen? We do experience the presence of God. I'm not going to, no, 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 man. We do, God is gracious, but we just want more. We just want, the water's not bad, but we want, we want more. We want more. Spirit was outpoured and the church was born. Peter gets up, preaches the first sermon. 3,000 people were added to the church, one sermon. We preach 3,000 sermons. We're lucky if we get one or two. Come. Peter, one sermon, 3,000 people come to faith. This ordinary person who had denied Jesus days earlier. I mean, talk about a miserable failure. A few days earlier, oh, Jesus, I'm going to stand for you. Yeah, you can count on me. And then he's denying, I don't even know him. Who was he? He's cursing the fact, the person that said you must have been with him. A few days later, this ordinary person who is now filled with the Holy Spirit is preaching the word of God with boldness. As you read the book of Acts, you see the crippled, healed, dead people come back to life. Prisons open, miraculous salvations, the power of God moving. These people said, the reason why we are barren and unproductive is because the water is bad. But if the water was healed, if the water was good, then the land would thrive. I tell you, church, what we need more than anything else today is a move of the Spirit of God. Let's never confuse it. Let's never confuse what we have here with a move of God. What we need is a move of the Spirit of God. It's the power of God manifest amongst us. It's the cry of my heart. It's the cry of my heart that we would see a move of God. Paul says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words or impressive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what we need today. What we need is a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We're not gonna impress the word with, with the world that we're living in with more stuff. Slicker messages. What's going to impress the world is a demonstration of this. They've got slick already out there. They've got the best of the best of the best out there already. But what's going to impress the world today is a demonstration. What the world is looking for today is a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And that's only going to come when the church desires. The water's good, but we, the water's not the way it should be, God. Very impressed with that clap. <laughs> you know, you know the the, the water. 
The water spiritually is like Adelaide water. You know what I mean? I mean, you can drink the stuff, but hey. You know, there are some ships that will not, will not get water in two or three places in the world because it's really bad. One of them is Adelaide. <laughs> that tells you something. The water's okay. But, but what we want is a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I, I just pray that thought would grab, grab us. The, the land is well, the city is well situated. The water is not as good as it could be. We are, we are well situated. We are a little bit too comfortable is what we are. You know, when, uh, when COVID happened and uh, great, that's what we need. <laughs> we need bring it on. Church is starting to experience some persecution. If you call yourself a Christian, it's starting to get dangerous. You're going you're gonna to be branded and, and my, good. That's what we need. It's gonna, every time the church was persecuted, the church flourished. Every time. Because when the church was persecuted, it brought the church to its knees. And on its knees, God began to move. We are well situated. But the water, the water, the water could be better. What we need is a move of God. But what we need, above all else, is more of the power of God. Which brings us to the next principle. If we want to be used by God, we need to cry out to God. Notice the scripture. The people of the city said to Elijah. Notice the people of the city came to Elijah. Now, Elijah was a man of God. And he's a picture of God in our lives. If we're going to see God begin to move, we need to, we need to seek God. Hosea says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will, bring up our, he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. Listen to the words. Might as well be saying, let us desire God. Let us really desire God. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us, listen to it. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. There it is right there. Let us seek after God. Want to see a move of God? It comes by crying out to God. How was the early church birth? It was birthed in a prayer meeting. That's where it was birthed. 120 people praying and seeking God and waiting on God. We can't do this on our own, God. We need you. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to move them up. We're not doing anything unless you come. Prayer has been a consistent theme to breaking barrenness. It's the key to being used by God. You look at every story in the Bible of barrenness, you will always see someone crying out to God. And there it is again. And I, I, I just pray, oh, he's talking about prayer again. Oh. Talked about that again last week and he's talking about it again this week. Oh. So often when we think about prayer, we think of, it's like having to do penance. Oh. Have to repeat the prayers, lots of them, long prayers, really beat ourselves up because that's what God's impressed with. You know, if we do it on our knees and we get a bit of blood on the knees, well, oh, double points, mate. What an awful picture of prayer. God told, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you guys babble on. I'm not interested in babbling. Keep it to yourself. doesn't have any effect in the kingdom. Prayer is the language we use to develop our relationship with God. Prayer is the language of intimacy. 
And it's in the presence of God that God begins to speak. It's in the presence of God where God does some of his greatest work in our lives. He starts to talk to us about our future. He gives us pictures of the future. It's where God convinces us that, he, that we're loved by, that he loves us. Oh, I'm miserable. God says, I love you. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm bad. I love you. 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 The consistent message that God begins to speak into, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I've got a plan for your life. It's in the presence of God where God begins to convict us. It's where God begins to reveal truth. Prayer is a recognition that if we can do anything, it's only by the grace of God. We're just, we're just instruments in it. Unless the Lord builds the house, the build is built in vain. The builders can be building, but unless God is in it, you're just going to be building in vain. It's a recognition, God, if, 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 if I can do anything, it's, it's only by your grace. Just want to be an instrument in your hands. And so often, so often, you know, God does use us and we start to, well, I'm not bad, am I? It's like the piano saying, gee, I can play pretty good, can't I? You know, and we like the piano that thinks, oh man, I'm... Anybody, has that ever happened to anybody? No, you guys are humble. I can see it all across here. Humble congregation. Just your pastor's a bit proud. Um, I heard a message yesterday on the whole subject of, uh, you know, prior, how to deal with it, you know, and it blessed me. And, and he, he used the scripture, he said, consider, your, consider others better than yourself. How do we deal with pride? The Bible says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. I mean, God, it's either we humble ourselves or God humbles us. Let me tell you which one's easier. It's better for us to humble ourselves than God to humble us. Because when he does, Jesus help us. <laughs> so the Bible says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due season. How do we do that? Consider others better than... It's Philippians chapter 2. The greatest example is Jesus. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. Consider others better than yourself. Consider others better than yourself. It will help you to stay humble. One final principle about how we become productive is seek God and then do whatever he asks you to do. Elijah says, bring me a new bowl. He said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. And then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into, the, into it, saying, this, this is what the Lord says. I've healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. God, I think God is funny. I just think he is. I see, you know, what shall we do with this water, guys? Oh, I'm getting kind of seeing him. What shall we do? I've got an idea. Why don't we throw some water in this one? <laughs> salt, sorry. Why don't we throw some salt in this one? Just to really, you know, just mess things around a bit. Because you never throw salt in water. You take salt out of water to make it good. You don't put salt in it. Just re- it's just another reminder that God is a miracle-working God. Never forget that. It's a similar, similar story in Exodus. The people of Israel went to a place called Mara. Uh, they were thirsty, but the water was bitter. God says to Moses, throw a stick in the water. And the water was made sweet. God said to Elijah, throw salt in the water. God says to Moses, throw a stick in the water. Now, maybe there's some deep spiritual significance to the stick and the salt 
And I'll, I'll let the theologians deal with that. But for me, the story is simple. Just seek God and just do whatever he tells you to do. How, do, how can we be productive? How, do, how, can we, how can we be used by God? Seek God and do whatever he wants you to do. Because the healing is not in the salt or the stick. The healing is in the obedience. It's the obedience that's important. Not the salt or the stick. So if we want to be used by God, desire to be used by God, remember your effectiveness is related to a move of the Holy Spirit. Desire to be used by God. Desire to be used by God. And remember, your effectiveness is related to a move of the Holy Spirit above all else. Pastor Joe, does that mean I shouldn't, you know, do studies? No, do studies. Does that mean I shouldn't check out the gifts that got on? No, check out the gifts that are on your life. But just remember, our effectiveness is related to a move of the Holy Spirit, to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we cry out to God, God, use me. Do something with my life. Make yourself available to be used by God. Pray the Isaiah prayer. Here am I, Lord, send me. Pray and then do whatever God tells you to do. It's the story of my life. I prayed for a long time as a young person, God, do something with my life. Just That's all I prayed. Lord, do something with my life. Until can still tell you, I was walking along Smart Road. I used to work near there, Smart Road there at Modbury. I used to pray, Lord, do something with my life. Lord, do something with my life. Lord, I just want to exist. I don't want to go through the motions of life. I don't, want to, I don't want to get to the end and just accumulated stuff. Do something with my, nothing wrong with stuff. Nothing wrong with a big TV. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to be used by you, Lord God. Do something with my life. And then I sense the Holy Spirit say, leave work and go to Bible college. That was for me. That was, that was my salt, my stick. Leave work, go to Bible college. But for you, it might be different. For you, it might be give your life to Jesus. No, I'm just exploring. Go explore. There's a season of exploring. Explore. I've, don't just give your life to Jesus without exploring. Be fully convinced. But when that season is over, maybe some of you are ready to take that step of faith. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Maybe for some people, it, it might be might, the whisper of the Holy Spirit might be get baptized. Oh, I'm not going to do that in front of everybody. Get wet. My hair's going to get wet. Get baptized. A public declaration of your faith. Maybe, maybe you've been one of those submarine Christians. Come out on Sunday morning, pop up. Go underground during the week. You're the popcorn Christians. You know, the popcorn Christians are the ones that they pop up and they're all white on Sunday. Might be get baptized. Tell everyone that from now on you're a Christian. Maybe join Life Ministry School. Deepen your knowledge of the Word. Some it might be stop doing this. Start doing this. Stop spending time with that person. Spend time with this other person. The Holy Spirit is the best way to explain the Holy Spirit is a coach. Is your best interest at heart. Coaches are not afraid to tell whoever they're coaching, don't do this, but do this. If you don't understand the spirit of the coach, you're going to resist the coach and you're not going to get the benefit. But if you understand that this, the coach has your best interest at heart, the Holy Spirit has your best interest at heart and you'll listen for the voice of the Spirit and obey. The Lord will speak to you and then you just need to do what He says. And as you obey, 
The Spirit of God will begin to move in you and the result of that will be fruitfulness, growth, influence. It's just going to ooze out of you. It's going to ooze out of you. And God is going to begin to use you in ways that you only dreamed about. Dreamed about. One of the phenomena, I've spoke, I spoke about this, I think, I couldn't find it in my notes, but I spoke about this many years ago. But one of the phenomena scientists speak about is deserts blooming. It's a great example of this in South, uh, South America. It's a desert in Chile called Atacama Desert. Um, it's the driest, the most barren in the world. Do we have a picture of it? Do we have a picture of the dry desert? We do. There it is right there. Um, scientists that are, or astronauts that are preparing to go to Mars practice in this desert because they think it's the closest uh, thing that they're going to experience in Mars. Rains there once every two to seven years, depending on the weather seasons. And normally the desert is so dry, there is zip, zero, nothing there. But when the freak rainfall happens, water begins to run into the desert and this desert that is dead, dry, lifeless suddenly comes to life and it looks like this. It's a sea of flowers. What's interesting is that over 200 species of flowers stay dormant in the ground until what? Until the rain comes. And when the rains come, flowers grow. Flowers attract bugs. Bugs attract the birds. And then the livestock. And the whole place comes to life while there's water flowing through the desert. What's interesting is the seeds are just under the ground waiting to germinate. They're dormant until the rain comes and the rivers begin to flow. It's a great picture of our lives. It's a great picture of the church. So much potential. Potential just sits below the surface, but it's never realized until the water of God's Spirit begins to flow. Spirit begins to move. And then fruit begins to come. I pray that as a church we would desire to be used by God and never get comfortable. The city's in a good place. The water could be better. Understand that what we need is a move of the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Spirit, presence of God. What we need is a move of God. I, I just pray that we, if we would understand that, if, this, if, this, if we would get a revelation of this, it would change how we come to church. Our whole attitude towards church would shift, change. A lot of us come to church as consumers. Oh, what have we got for me today? Oh, is that the best you could do with the songs? I wish they're going to sing my favourite song today. Consumed, we have a consumer mentality. If we get a revelation of, of this, and we start, to, we start to see churches, oh God, do something, do something, do something. Seek after God like never before, and then be obedient to His problem. And as a result, bring much fruit for the glory of God. We used to sing a song uh, here at church many years ago. Uh, it was written by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Great, great church, great. It says, rain on us, Holy Spirit. How many people remember that song? Rain on us, Holy Spirit, rain on us in our souls. While we're standing here, send the Holy Ghost. 
and rain on us, rain on us, rain on us in our soul. If you're new here today, I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you. He created you. He has a plan for your life. He's giving you gifts, talents, and passions. They're like the desert. They're just dormant. They're just below the surface. But if you would give your life to Jesus, you'd experience the power of the Holy Spirit. If you invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. And one of the things the Holy Spirit begins to do is allows those gifts, those, tash, those talents, those passions to become a reality. And you'll never be the same again. Why not give your life to Jesus today? Will you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just while you're standing there, I just want, just, if you feel, close your eyes, just want you to reflect. What's the thought from the message today that really spoke to you? What's the, what, what do I need to do with this message today? something I need to do maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you very clearly about what you need to do but you've been resisting don't resist anymore just make a decision give your life to Jesus get baptized go deeper maybe it just starts with a prayer Lord use me for your glory maybe it's about your desire has been heading in a direction, but it's time to shift that desire. It's time to give that desire to God and say, okay, God, I give up. I want you to be in control of my life. The greatest analogy is driving. I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, when I'm in a car, I want to drive. <laughs> i got to be the driver. And giving our life to Jesus is like saying, Lord, now... Now you be the driver and I'll be the passenger. And maybe some of you need to do that. You say, Lord, do something with my life. Use me for your glory. Maybe it's collectively as a church, God is saying something to us that's saying, move by your Holy Spirit. Move by your Holy Spirit. We need a move of the Spirit. We want to see a fresh, and all, and the whole house was filled with the glory of God, with the Spirit of God. Maybe all, all began to speak in other t- tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Father, we want to experience that today. That be our prayer. Just one last thing I want to do. I just want every eye closed, every head bowed. And you don't need to respond to what I'm about to do. I just, you can't preach a message or a series like this without acknowledging the reality that there might be some people here in church, couples who are struggling to have children. It's a reality. It's not theory. It's not just about the spiritual significance. It's a real thing. And you know who you are, and I don't want to embarrass anybody in any way, shape, or form, but we're going to pray together collectively as a church. Because if it happened in the Bible, it can happen still today. And I don't know what the... You know, people are saying all kinds of stuff. But ultimately, I, I, I believe every conception is a miracle that God is involved in. And so we're going to pray today. Church, can our, can our faith begin to rise? Can our faith begin to rise? Can we, can we just pray, do it again, Lord? Do it again, Lord. Do it again.
that we, that we would believe that in months to come, we're going to hear testimonies. In Jesus' name, by His grace and for His glory. So, Father, we come before you this time in Jesus' name. I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would move in this place. Thank you that your word says, as the Apostle Paul said, didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Let there be a demonstration of your power amongst us today. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And those that may be struggling in this area, that, Father God, that you would bless, heal, give an idea, whatever it is that needs to happen, Lord God, that the result would be fruitfulness, that the barrenness would be broken. Your name be glorified. Glorify your name, Lord God, this day. Bind every work of the enemy. I just pray that as a church, Lord God, that you would do something with us which is beyond what we could ever think or ask or even imagine. That this would be a church that would touch the nations of the world. That the river that flows from your throne in in this house, Lord God, would flow through here as the vision that Ezekiel had. It would flow through here and flow out of these doors and into our city and into our nation and flow into the nations of the world, Lord God, ministering healing and blessing and favor. Let that be the case, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. It's been so good to be in church this morning. Have a blessed week. And we'll see you back next week. Amen.